In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, on God, Amen. In the beginning, I'd like to wish you all a very blessed and happy uh, Coptic New Year. Uh, tonight, we will study Psalm 19. Psalm 19 is 14 verse. We'll study half, just from verse 1 to verse 7. Each psalm has a title. And the title of this psalm, to the chief musician, a psalm of David. So the title tells us both the author, David, and the audience of the psalm, the chief musician. Who is the chief musician? Some church father said, is the Lord himself. So David was chanting this psalm to the Lord. And others supposed the chief musician is the leader of the choir of musicians, like Heman, the singer, or Asaph. There is nothing in the psalm to tell us when or where it was written. And some scholars think that this psalm can be divided into two distinct parts. First part celebrates the revelation of the power and the majesty of God in nature. The heavens declare the glory of God. And the first part also declared to us the universal and the unceasing testimony of heaven to their creator, the Lord. This from verse 1 to 6. And the second part praises the Lord Jehovah and celebrates the moral beauty and the power of the law, the law that God gave us, in its various elements and aspects. But others think that the psalm is one unit. In the first part, how the nature declares the glory of God. In the second part, how the word of God declares also the glory of God. So they are complementing one another. This psalm actually we prayed in the first hour of the Agbeya to help us to contemplate on the creation of God at the beginning of every day. As I told you, it is 14 verse. From verse 1 to 6, the creation declares the glory of God. From 7 to 11, the effect of the word of God in our life. And from verse 12 to 14, David prays for grace. So let's start from verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his hand work. So, God's amazing creation bears a testimony of God as the creator. When you see this creation, definitely you will say there is a creator behind it. Like when you see a beautiful house, you say there is a contractor, an engineer, architect behind it. In the same way, when you look at the heaven, the heaven in itself declares the glory of the creator. 
St. Paul in Romans chapter 1 verse 20 said, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, the invisible attributes of God, are clearly seen. How? How we see the invisible attribute being understood by the things that are made. So when we look at the creation, we understand the invisible attributes of God. Even his eternal power and Godhead, the divinity of God and his eternal power are revealed through the creation so that they are without excuse. Those who deny the existence of God, like the atheist, has no excuse because the heavens declare the glory of God. So here the image of David gazing at sky and then he starts to chant the psalm. It is not he is meditating on a natural phenomena or he is enjoying the beauty of the sky. No. Once he starts to gaze at the sky, there is immediate apprehension he felt the existence of God. He see revelation of God. God is before him through the creation. So all creation is a revelation of God, especially these visible heavens. When you look at it and you see how the heavens so vast and spacious, splendor, order, mystery, and richly adorned with the stars, you definitely, you will say, praise the Lord, praise the glory of the Lord. They are the most impressive reflection of his greatness and majesty. Here, actually, the heavens are plural. He did not say the heaven, the heavens. Uh, because the Bible in several passages it speaks about heaven and heaven of heavens, like in Deuteronomy 10, 14. Indeed, heaven and the highest heavens belong to the Lord your God. In Psalm 68:33, to him who rides on the heaven of heavens, which were of old. In Proverbs 8, 27, when he prepared the heavens, I was there, when he drew a circle on the face of the drum. Even in the Lord's Prayer, we say, Our Father who art in heavens. And St. Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, he said that he was caught up to the third heaven. So what we know, three heavens, and then we know the heaven of heavens. The first heaven is the heaven of the birds, where we can see the birds fly. Second heaven is the space, that is the second heaven. The third heaven is the paradise, that's where St. Paul was caught up. Then we have the heaven of heavens, which is the throne of God. When you see a house, you say it's a beautiful house a beautiful house. So the heavens does not declare just any glory. You say, wow, it's beautiful, a sky. No, 
the heavens declare the glory of God because heaven reflect that there is a creator behind it reflect the glory of God and here the testimony given by the heavens is a plain unmistakable and declar- unmistakable declaration it declares every moment of God's existence power wisdom and goodness then he said the firmament what is the firmament if you read in Genesis chapter 1 the firmament is all this seen air between the heaven and the earth so the firmament is the whole visible area that's why we read in Genesis chapter 1 there is water under heaven and waters above sorry waters under firmament and water above firmament water above firmament is the clouds and water under firmament is the oceans and seas so these are the firmament the firmament does not contain only to the heavenly bodies but also light rain dews so the light goes through the firmament until it reaches us rain goes through the firmament the dew, dew goes through the firmament so the firmament plainly speak to his handiwork and the firmament shows their, his handiwork for they could not exist from eternity the word handiwork means God worked God created them God made them so these are not eternal uh, beings they did not exist and could not exist from eternity so all succession and motion must have had a beginning they could not make themselves that's a contradiction they could not be produced by a casual hit of atoms therefore they must have a creator who can be no other than an eternal mind infinitely wise powerful and good this is God and even in the intelligent design they say when you look at the world you say this world must be created by an intelligent mind not just by chance and this intelligent mind is the logos the mind of God the Father the witness of this heavenly is not conveyed by ordinary speech or words or voices that's why in verse 2 he said day unto day utters speech and night unto night reveals knowledge until now they study in the space they study in the planets around us and our knowledge increased day after day and so they don't speak our language but in an unspeakable language they declare to the glory of God that's why in verse 3 there is no speech nor language where their voice is not heard 
where their voice is not heard. So, their witness is not conveyed by ordinary speech or words or voices. Their witness is without sound, without language. No articulate voice is to be heard. But each day, they teach us some new wisdom that's revealed in the various works of God. Each night, they represent certain information to us about God. They convey a kind of wonder that's impossible to express in mere words. Sometimes when you look at the glory of, of, of heaven and their order and uh, their beauty, there is no word to express this beauty. So they declare the glory of God in, in a language that the 28 uh, letters of, of the, any language cannot express. So the glory of God in the visible heavens is for all to see. All nations in the east and in the west, in the north and in the south. It is communicated to all mankind, regardless of their language, whether they speak English or Arabic, Greek or Russian, any language. So they speak in, in unutterable language so every single person in the world can understand their message, their testimony about the glory of God. St. John Chrysostom says, if you doubt God's care, ask earth and heaven, ask the sun and the moon, ask the senseless creatures and the plants, ask the rocks, the mountains, the hilltops, and the sand dunes. Ask the night and the day, for God's care is clearer than the sun and its sunbeams. Through the creation, God's care is clearer than the sun and its sunbeams. Everywhere you go, ask the wilderness and the inhabited places on earth and in the seas. Wherever you go, you can hear a verbal testimony of this tremendous care. Then in verse 4 he said, Their line has gone out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tabernacle for the sun. Meaning, their line has gone out through all the earth, their significant actions or operations are everywhere present. The rising of the sun, the setting of the sun, moon, and how the moon starts as a small crescent to a full moon in the middle of the month, till it 
disappear completely. So they preach to all the nations the power, the wisdom, the mercy, and loving kindness of the Lord. Because they go throughout all the earth. And their words to the end of the world. St. Paul actually, in Romans, took this verse and applied it to the apostles. Their line has gone out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So, in Romans 10, verse 18, we can see a wider application is given to these words by St. Paul. When he applies this as a prophecy relative to the universal spread of the gospel of Christ, how the apostles preached the gospel of Christ to every single area in the world. So all the inhabitants of the earth shall benefit by the gospel of Christ, exactly like the, all the earth benefit by the solar, lunar, and all the stars' light. So as the whole earth enjoy the heaven, the sun, the moon, the stars, in the same way the whole earth benefited from the salvation of Christ and the gospel of Christ. St. Jerome says, the apostle's voice reached the entire world and their words to the farthest end. So St. Paul is saying this testimony has gone out through all creation. All men are without excuse for rejecting God who gave us such clear and beautiful evidence of his power and wisdom. So as no one has an excuse to deny the existence of God because heaven declares his glory, now since the gospel of Christ reached the whole world, no one has an excuse. If they rejected the gospel of salvation, they rejected by their own choice. Then at the end of verse 4 he said, In them, in the heavens, he has set a tabernacle for the sun. David meant that the natural sun placed in heavens and the nighttime sky is like a dwelling place, like a tent, a tabernacle for the sun. So the sun in sunset seems to be concealed as intent or tabernacle. When you see the sunset, as if the sun is hidden in tabernacle. As if going to bed. And in the morning, it rises happy and cheerful and comes forth like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. As we read in verse 5, which is like bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race. So we have here actually, and many people enjoy seeing sunset and sunrise. Sunset as if the sun is going to the tent and tabernacle to rest, going to bed. Sunrise 
it, it comes cheerful, happy, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber. Also, this verse should be understood spiritually and mystically of Christ, the Son of Righteousness. He took our humanity as a tabernacle. And the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, He took our flesh, our humanity as tabernacle, and He set His tabernacle among the people, among His church. He lived among us. And which is like a groom coming out of His chamber, this reference to the sunrise. And I will come back to Christ. What does it mean? We explained the tabernacle, but what does it mean about Christ like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber? But let's speak about the sun. So the sun is compared to a bridegroom in his ornament because of the glory and splendor of the rays, the, the rays of the sun. So when you see the sun coming in the morning in its glory and splendor, like bridegroom in his ornament. But also rejoices like a strong man to run its race. So also the sun is compared to a giant or a strong man running its race because of the power of the light and heat. You know, when it's very cold, just once you stand in the sun, you feel warm. Although the sun is very, very, very far from us, you can imagine the power and the strength of the rays of the sun. And and Jesus Christ is the son of righteousness. We were sitting in darkness and shadow of death. But when the Lord Jesus Christ was born, he shone on us who were sitting in darkness and the shadow of death. Like in in his splendor and, and glory and beauty, and also in his power, he came to defeat Satan and to set us free from the bondage of the enemy. Verse 6 is speaking again about the sun. Its rising is from one end of heaven, and its circuit to the other end. Of course, we know that it is the earth who moves, not the sun. But here he described from our perception as if the sun rise from the east and take a whole circuit to the west, to the end of the earth. And in this circuit, there is nothing hidden from its heat. There is nothing, there is nothing hidden from its heat. So everything is exposed to the heat of the sun. So the course of the sun is constant from east to west, and then following day comes from the east again. And the light of the sun spreads on every side from its source to the end of heaven. Nothing, there is nothing hidden from its heat. Its circuit to the other end 
means during this journey from east to the west, the sun rays penetrate even to the inmost substance of everything. For example, we need to be exposed to the sun rays for vitamin D, because the sun actually penetrates into our skin. There is no part of the earth which does not at one time or other feel the comfort and benefit of its light and heat. Every single part, the plants, the water, the tide. So there is no part on earth does not at one time or other feel the comfort and the benefit of its light and heat. So the sun, light and sun heat not only beneficial to us human beings but to the whole earth. And there is no creature which does not partake of the influence of the sun. But as I told you, fathers also spoke about the sun here referring to Jesus Christ. Like St. Augustine referred this verse to Christ, coming forth when he said, like a bridegroom coming out of his chamber and rejoices like a strong man to run its race, it's rising from one end of heaven and it's circling to the other end and there is nothing hidden from its seed. So St. Augustine said, this verse is about Christ coming forth from the virgin's womb. So where is the tent? Where God was united to our humanity as a bridegroom to the bride. He's a bridegroom and we are his bride. So in the womb of Saint Mary, the divinity is united to the humanity. Bridegroom united with the bride. The Lord Jesus, the heavenly groom, is the son of righteousness, as we read in Malachi chapter 4, verse 2, who shines and the healing in his wings. The sun shines and its rays, with its rays and sin, it is to grant us life, physical life. In the same way, the son of righteousness, Jesus Christ, came to shine on our souls from east to the west and to grant us eternal life, to grant us enlightenment and spiritual warmth and everlastingly renewed life. St. John Chrysostom says, Though the sun appeared in such a way, yet the believers even more gloriously. So the sun is the light of the world, but also the Lord told about us and about himself, I am the light of the world and you are the light of the world. So we have, St. John Chrysostom is saying, we have glory more than the glory of the sun. The sun shines to light the world with natural light, whereas we the believers light the world in a different way. I mean the believers light it spiritually. That's why the glory of the believers is more than the glory of the sun. And how we apply and rejoice like a strong man to its race, to run its race about Jesus Christ. The joy and the strength point out to 
to two aspects of the salvation work of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, like bridegroom, that's the joy. And rejoices like a strong man, that is the strength. So there are two aspects here, joy and strength. He is glad, as a bridegroom is, who offers his life, shed his blood for the sake of the entire world. That is the joy, as we read in Hebrews. He endured the crucifixion for the joy before him. That is the joy, rejoices. This tremendous joy is only the victory over the adversary, Satan, and the iniquity, sin, and death. But like a strong man to run its race, he pursues the fight so that he leads his believers to a victorious life, like a strong man run its race. He also equipped us with the Spirit and with the whole armor of God to give us authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and every style power of the enemy. Then, how we understand and its circuit to the other end about Jesus Christ? This means from east to the west, the, the gospel was preached. So we can see here how the gospel of Christ reached the whole earth even during the time of the apostles. In the book of Acts, in chapter 8, chapter 9, and chapter 10, there are three conversions. Chapter 8, the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. Chapter 9, the conversion of St. Paul. Chapter 10, the conversion of Cornelius. And it is not just by coincidence St. Luke recorded these conversions. You know, Noah has three children, Sam, Ham, and Yafis. And in a simple way, Yafis, Japhis went to Europe, Sam went to Asia and Ham to Africa. That's just a simple way. So the Ethiopian eunuch in chapter 8 is a descendant of Ham. Because Ham is the father of Cush. Cush is the land of Ethiopia. And Paul was a Jewish. He's the son of Sam. And Cornelius was a Gentile. He's the son of Japheth. So we have here, in the very, very early uh, years of Christianity, three people, one from the tribe of Sam, the other from the tribe of Ham, the third from the tribe of Japhes, who believed in Christ. So all the tribes of the earth were blessed. All the tribes of the earth, because the tribes of earth are three, Sam, Ham, and Japhes. So, from sunset to sun, uh, to sun, from sunrise to sunset, there is actually the largest scope of the gospel preached in, in the whole earth. And 
the grace of God appeared to all men, not only to the Jews, but to all men, shone out in a very glorious manner, and Christ became what the sun is to the earth. Like the sun is the light of all earth, so Christ became the light of the world. And because we are united with him, we became light of the world. Then from verse 7, he started to speak about the word of God. So David shifted from praising the God who reveals himself in creation to praising the same God for revealing himself in the world. So as God revealed himself in creation, he revealed also himself in his word. As if David is saying, creation tells us much about God, but his word tells us much more about him. So the word of God is greater revelation than nature because it tells us more about God and his love. For example, the heavens cannot declare our position to God as his children, but the word of God declared to us that we are his children. And there are several titles for the word of God from verse 7 to 9. And why David used several titles? For us to understand the whole of divine revelation, his teaching and promises. So in verse 7, he used the word law. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. Then he used the word testimony. The testimony of the Lord is sure making wise the same. So here gives a description to the word of God, gives, sorry, a title, then a description and an action. The first title is law. The description is perfect. The action converting the soul. In the second part, the title is testimony. The description sure, the action making wise the simple, yeah. converting the simple to be wise. So, the law of the Lord is perfect. Why perfect? Whatsoever proceeds from God is perfect in its nature and free from all corruption. Nothing is to be added to it, nor taken from it. I'm saying this because unfortunately nowadays, some people say the Bible is infallible only when it comes to the economy of salvation. Otherwise, the Bible can be fallible when it speaks about history or science. This is wrong. This is against what David said here. If the Bible, if the word of God is written by the inspiration, inspiration means by the Holy Spirit, 
then whatever, whatsoever proceeds from God is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. Yes, the Bible is not a book of science. Yes, the Bible is not a book of geography. Yes, the Bible is not a book of uh, history. Yes, but whatever mentioned in the Bible is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's free from any mistake, any corruption. Nothing to be added to it, nor taken from it. That's the description, perfect. Then the title, the law. The law means the doctrine delivered to us, to the church, to the believers. Whether by Moses, so when we speak about the law, we are not speaking about the law of Moses only, or about the Ten Commandments. The word law here, means whether given by Moses or by other prophets or other holy men of God. Because the word law not only given to the Ten Commandments or to the moral law. As you see many verses in the scripture, like in Romans chapter 2, verse 23 to 29. So the word law is applied to the whole word of God. And St. Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verse 12, the law itself is holy, the commandment holy and just and good. It's called the law because it organizes our life. It tells us what we should do and what we should not do. That's what the law is about. So, His word reveals the nature and the will of God. That is the law. And the whole duty of man, what we should do and what we should not do, what he is to believe and practice, and whatsoever is necessary to our present and eternal joy. Present here on earth and eternal. That's why it's called the law. The creation from verse 1 to 6, although it declared so much of God and left men without excuse. So if anyone does not believe in God, has no excuse. But the creation did not fully manifest the will of God toward us, nor the creation brought us to eternal salvation. This only revealed to us in the word of God. He said the law of God is perfect, converting the soul. Very important, the word converting the soul. Means making the man to be returned or restored to the place from which sin had cast him. Because of sin, we were corrupted. Because of sin, we are born with ancestral sin. Because of sin, our nature became under the sentence of death. But the word of God restores us and teaches us about the economy of salvation, how we will be saved, and how to return 
to our status before the fall or even better. So as if the word of God will restore us from disorder and decay, from sorrow and affliction, from death to life. The law of God by instructing us restore us from moral blindness to light and also restore us from sin to righteousness. And I want you to know the word converting the soul means there is power in reading and hearing and studying the Word of God. Because the Holy Spirit, until now, when we read the Word of God, the Holy Spirit accompanies every word. So I want you to know, there is power with reading the Word of God, or when you hear it, or studying. And this power goes beyond the intellectual benefit. It's not just the Word of God affect or influence your mind and then because of this you change your behavior. No. It actually changes us to the better. It converts the soul. So the word of God has transforming power. By studying the law of God we all know that we are guilty of sin and deserve to die and we must repent of our sin and cry out for a savior. Does not only know this intellectually, but now we have the grace, the power to help me to repent and to cry out for a savior. We would not realize we need a savior if we were not made aware that we are sinners. There's the second part of verse seven. The testimony, the title testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. So, testimony because the law is regarded as bearing witness to God's will and to our duty. Testimony means bearing witness. So why it is called testimony? Because the word of God bears witness to his will and to our duty. The testimony of the Lord is sure. Sure means what? Not variable or uncertain. We are confident on what we rely upon. The word of God will not deceive us. His promises are true. It is a sure discovery of divine truth. Whatever written in the scripture is the truth with capital T. A sure direction in the way of duty. And because the word of God, the testimony of the Lord, is sure and certain, so the work here make the simple wise. Convert the simple into wise. So, many people of simple education or upbringing have tremendous wisdom into life and godliness. Why? Because they study and trust the sure word of the Lord. I saw myself when I, I, I worked 
again, before I, I became a monk, many people who are very simple and not highly educated. But because they studied the word of God, they were very, very wise. The word of God actually gave them the wisdom. The word simple here is the exact word mentioned in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 4. The word simple is translated in the Bible, can either mean uh, ignorant or harmless. But in Proverbs 1, verse 4, and in Psalm 19, verse 7, it means those who are not educated. It doesn't mean the harmless. So, God's word enlightened men's moral judgment. It helped us to make right and good and sound moral judgment. Uh, we need to be wise, but what can make us wise is the word of God. As St. Paul said to Timothy in chapter 3, verse 15, Study the word of God that will make you wise in the way of salvation. So the word of God will make us wise. The scripture makes men wise in the knowledge of gospel doctrine. St. Augustine says this verse also is about Christ. He says, The law of the Lord, therefore, is himself. So the law is, is Jesus himself who came to fulfill the law, not to destroy it. So the Lord became undefiled law, who did not sin, neither was guile found in his mouth, nor oppressing, uh, not oppressing souls with the yoke of bondage. So Jesus did not come to oppress us with the yoke of bondage, but he came to convert us to imitate him in liberty. He came actually to set us free. If the Son set you free, then you are free. This actually in uh, our Bible study tonight at verse 7. And next time we'll continue from verse 8 to 14. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen. Amen.